Hello and welcome to Mikey Pod. This is episode 182. My refrigerator makes a really weird noise. I don't want to go into that right away, but I'm doing that anyway. I, I don't think you can even hear it, but it makes can I, you won't you won't be able to hear it. But I keep it makes it right before I record every time, and it's yeah yeah something like that. Like is it? It sounds really cute and also disturbing. And also, why would a refrigerator sound like that? Can someone, MikeyPod at gmail.com, send me an email explaining to me what, what that is. <laughs> did you, it just happened. Did you hear it? <laughs> what if this podcast was just me being insane and rambling about like hearing things? So welcome to MikeyPod. This is episode 182. Today's guest is uh, Kristen Lajeunesse. She has just released a book called Will Travel for Vegan Food, which is a uh, memoir about her trip two years around the country uh, visiting every vegan restaurant in the United States. Um, yeah, it's quite a great conversation we had today. I'm super excited to share it with you. Uh, before I do, though, I would like to share with you this. Um, it's a track from the forthcoming album by Twin Tapes. I'm super excited to have this in my possession and uh, the permission from them to play a track. <laughs> this makes it sound like I'm super fan-personing out on them, um, which is the non-gender specific term for fangirl slash fanboy. I'm fan-personing out on them. Uh, I think they're really fantastic great band. Um, their album comes out two Fridays from uh, this week. Oh, did I mention, by the way, this is July 20, oh, July 2nd, uh, 2015. So their new album is called Mass Disintegration. Uh, Twin Tapes is the name of the band. And this track is called Jump Through Fire. And after this, we'll hear from Kristen Lajeunesse.
Joining me now on the podcast is Kristen Lajeunesse, who's a tra travel and food enthusiast, originally from upstate New York. She is the founder and blogger of the award-winning website, Will Travel for Vegan Food, and now the brand new book, Will Travel for Vegan Food. She's a business and lifestyle strategist for entrepreneurs and small business owners, and here she is. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Michael. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, sure. No problem. I'm really excited. Um, I have to admit that I haven't finished reading your book. I'm like, uh -oh. womp, womp. <laughs> I just should just hang up right there. <laughs> All right. See you later. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm super into it. I was surprised. Well, before we talk about the book, maybe can you tell us how it came about? I know that's kind of a long story, um, which is I'll why there's a book about it. Like how, well, in a nutshell, you traveled for a year. Uh, visiting all of the vegan restaurants in the country that you two, could. Two Go years, ahead. yes. Oh, two years. <laughs> two years uh, visiting every single one of the vegan establishments, unless they happened to be closed or something when I was in the area. Yeah. So it ended up being 547 restaurants. I've been telling this story as if you <laughs> did it for only a year, for probably a year. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds even more impressive that way. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, um, so... There's so many questions to ask about this. And I, a lot of my listeners aren't vegan. Like I started doing veganism after I started podcasting. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, I'm, so I'm interested in your, just as the vegan traveling thing and how you were able to make that happen, like from a logistical standpoint. Um, a lot of it was funded through donations, yeah? Every single bit of it was. It was a little bit of my own savings that I ended up using up fully in the process, but the, the full two years that it took from end to end was completely funded by most people I didn't know. <laughs> and it's the thing that's tricky for me is I don't think I knew you until you were already traveling. That's true. So yeah. um, how, how did you didn't do a Kickstarter or anything or did you? Did I miss? I did a Kickstarter. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I started one in September, September, yes, September of 2011, I did like a 30 day Kickstarter one, and uh, severely underestimated how much it would cost to, to do this type of project. But it did it was fully funded, I think it was just over 12 grand that that we raised. And um, through that, I ended up meeting some really cool people that continued to donate to kind of keep me going. Oh, yeah. awesome. Cool. Yeah. So, um, as you were traveling, I, the thing that struck me about the book especially was, um, I don't know why, but I wasn't expecting it to be like a personal memoir as well. Mm -hmm. So there's so much in there like that I related to and like, <laughs> there's so, like it's going to be interesting for me to see, you know, as it goes through, but I have so many things in common with you, like relationship wise and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So it was mm -hmm. really cool to see you talking about Nate and all that stuff in the beginning and uh, trying yeah. to hash that stuff out. Was it tough? to um, make the decision to include that type of stuff? Or was that the, the plan all along? It was not the plan all along. In fact, I initially had decided that I wouldn't talk at all about Nate or some of the early kind of getting started portions of the trip because, um, well, I don't talk to him. I haven't talked to him in, in years, and I didn't want to... Uh, loop someone in who maybe couldn't speak for their side of the story. But after chatting with some friends and family about it, um, I, I came to the conclusion that it would feel like I was kind of starting from a, a midway point or something if I didn't include those kind of early steps, because it's kind of impossible to talk about how the trip got started without including some of those early letting go of people 
bringing other people in, letting those people go kind of a thing. So I just, someone had to basically shake me one day and say, Kristen, it's okay. Like, it's okay to include this. Um, the world isn't going to end. Even if, you know, people get upset, it's your, your portion of the story. And that's what matters because you're talking about the personal side of the journey. So it was definitely difficult, but what I found in, in through writing that when I finally pushed myself and gave myself permission to write about that stuff, um, I found it very therapeutic. There were things, uh, instances, scenarios that I thought that I had overcome that I realized I, I hadn't. And through writing about it, it helped me work through it much more that thoroughly. Mm. Did, did, the, uh, did, did the process of sharing it, like releasing the book into the world, have a different, expe- uh, different uh, effect than you expected? In that, in that, in terms of like that catharsis, yeah, uh, I don't know. If anything, it made me really nervous. <laughs> <laughs> like the day that the book finally launched on April twenty third, I was. I don't think I slept for a couple of days because I was so anxious. And also, I mean, I was busy just answering emails and trying to push push it out there. But um, yeah, I was. I and, and to some extent, I still am anxious. Like I don't know if I'll ever hear from some of the people whose names I changed and if they're going <laughs> to one day show up. Like I envision them showing up at like a book signing and throwing you know tomatoes <laughs> on my, at my face or something like that. Um, so there's a part of me that's anxious about it still a little bit, but I try to just kind of let that go and and know that it's it's true to my version of the story, and and that's all I can really rely on. <laughs> yeah. For that. Yeah. So um, right now, I asked you before we started where you were right now. And then mm-hmm. I realized like, wait, that might be an interesting question to talk about because you're not really or wait, let me ask you this question because I could be wrong. Are you based anywhere right now? Are you sort of still considering yourself a traveler? I am loosely based in Chicago. Uh, I, I love Chicago and I seem to keep landing here every, so even during the trip, it seems like every winter somehow I'm, I'm drawn back here and have some kind of life altering moment that, that helps me grow in some way. And so, um, I decided that when, when the journey ended, I would, uh, come back here and kind of use it as a home base, um, Although for all of 2014, which was not a formal part of the road trip, I was moving around quite a bit. I spent some time in New York City, in Chicago, in Hawaii, in Alaska, in Fargo, North Dakota, in Seattle. So I was still traveling a lot in last year. And then this year, I've been primarily in Chicago with the intention of focusing mostly on the book launch. Mm. And is there a book tour happening too? It seems like I keep seeing your face pop up different places (laughs) in Facebook. Yeah, there. Well, there's a lot of speaking engagements at like vegetarian festivals that I have lined up. Um, but in terms of a formal book tour, I'm in the early stages of planning that. I'm actively trying to obtain sponsors so that I can have a book tour because the travel costs and then actually purchasing the book so that I can provide it to the people at the at the book signings is costly because even though I'm the author I still have to pay for the books when I bring them places I have to pay like the discounted oh, right. resellers rate or mm-hmm. whatever so um so I'm trying to drum up sponsors um that would want to support the book tour so yes there will be a book tour I just don't have the details of that yet oh cool yeah. um so like I there are interesting like artisty questions I have for you because you you are one of like maybe a handful of people that when I'm because it's just as well as you know like we Chris and I worked together on some like social media development stuff like a couple of years ago mm-hmm. um, 
and and watching your process and you, it's you and like people like Casey Neistat. Do you ever watch this guy? Yeah, I yeah. love his YouTube channel. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, people who I watch doing like creating their own sort of path, doing the thing that they want to do, inspire mm-hmm. me. Inspires me. Um, which is awesome. Thank you for the that. The fact that you even used my name next to Casey's like totally just made me blush. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Oh my God. But, <laughs> but it's the same type of thing, right? Like um, you're, you wanted to make a thing, right? Like mm-hmm. that's uh, speaking in a general way. You wanted to do this blog and you figured out a way to do it. Like there wasn't, you know, like you talk in the beginning of the book about how you had what t- felt like the perfect job and the, the, mm-hmm. you know, the boyfriend and all that kind of stuff. And then letting it all go to follow this other thing. Um, yeah. What, like, I'm, I'm trying to formulate the question I have about that because I have, like, I consider myself, I've had some great, like, achievements in my sort of path of doing a similar thing like that. But when mm-hmm. I watch people like you, it's like, okay, so there's still, like, I can go further. Mm-hmm. But there are those moments, like, because you have to be self motivated, right? Like, when you're yeah. in that process, is there a way that you get through the days when you're not self-motivated and when you're like, Oh, just forget it. Like it feels like, cause it can feel from my experience of producing my own work mm-hmm. um, that is sort of on its own thing. Like it can feel super hard and I'm trying to like put it into words without being too dramatic. It feels like insurmountable. And also like, why am I even doing this? Like when you have yeah. those type of moments, what, What's your, how do you get through it? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know if it's healthy or not, but I tend to just let myself like be okay with having the feelings. And if it means being in bed all day or going to the movies to like back to back showings and just spending my day at a movie theater and doing nothing else, which I guess is the benefit of kind of having set up my life as it is where I work remotely, I do, I work for myself. And so if I need a day or two to just, hide under the covers, I can usually finagle it and make it happen in some way. So that's the nice thing about it. But um, I guess the way that I handle it is just I let myself go through it. And mm-hmm. I usually have, you know, a, a family member, a friend that I'll, I'll talk to a little bit and just to, to express how I'm feeling. But something that I did recently, which I noticed, I think I saw you posting something about this on Facebook, is those complaint, complaint bracelet things oh, or whatever yeah. they are. Yeah. Someone had told me about them. And then like the next day I saw that you had posted something on Facebook about it and so she and I decided to make our own just like out of like an old stocking that she had and so that's become part of my routine now too is that if I get in one of those modes and if if I start complaining about it instead of just letting it happen or pushing through it then I'll do the whole like switching wrists you know with the bracelet so that I stop complaining (laughs) yeah um so that I read that on a Tim Ferriss blog like there was, oh, I was cool. um, who you mentioned in the book too right like for yeah, yeah. without was that one of your big motivators or inspiration oh yeah yeah Tim I mean I hope to like marry Tim someday for sure yeah he's, I did too. He looked <laughs> he's good. pretty amazing and he's really <laughs> handsome anyway, yeah he is yeah so the four-hour work week was um yeah one of the one of the initial books that really lit a fire under me for sure yeah I haven't read that one yet either it's on my list. It's good. I think a lot of people are put off by the title of it because they assume it's going to be like how to hack your way through working four hours a week. But really, it's there's a he talks about, you know, really working hard. And, and I think I mean, he's a smart marketing guy, so he knew what he was doing in creating the title. But um, it's really so much more than that. There's a lot, a lot of information, a lot of case studies in there about people that have started businesses and um, and have have morphed that them 
themselves or their businesses to work in a way that enables them to spend more time doing what they love and less time in kind of the traditional nine to five world. Yeah. Um, I got to read that book. I, it's podcast has been real. It inspired me to do, the, to do the no complaint thing. I was listening that to that on the same day that I tweeted something about the, t- the how hot it was. And, oh. <laughs> and a friend of mine in Houston, Jim Johnson, uh, tweeted something to me about like, why not embrace the heat? You know, something like that. And all these, like that whole day sort of conspired to, uh-huh. to tell me like, shut up. Just it's hot. Like get yeah. over it. So that kind of, that's what got my, uh, complaint thing going. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, one of the things that I find is different between like what, because I, I see you in the same sort of realm, like I mentioned before, as like the Casey Neistat's and the Tim Ferriss and those type of people who are like so you're cool. carving your own way. But <laughs> yeah. I think the thing that's different that stands out for me about what you do is you're also really, um, I was looking at Casey, one of his vlogs yesterday, mm-hmm. and um, I, there was, somebody made a comment of what can you... Do a vlog where you tell us what you're like on a bad day or when you're in a bad mood. And, um, and it made me realize like, oh, like he seems like a total badass because he, he controls what people see, right? Right. And yeah. I, th- I feel like you don't have as, um, as careful a filter in a good way. Like I, because yeah. you, ex- you ex- express, you know, when you're feeling insecure or like, the things about like the book coming out, I remember you opening the package and just like, Mm -hmm. you weren't afraid to like be emotional about that. Do you feel like that is, um, I guess from, I hate to put that and then be like, so from a marketing standpoint, how does being (laughs) genuine with your emotions, like, do you feel like that's helpful, hurtful or? Yeah, I think it can be both. I think it really, um, what it comes down to is, is how comfortable someone is being that authentic. And I've come to realize that the Will Travel for Vegan Food brand has been highly built around kind of my character. And even though I didn't have that intention or know that going in, um, I guess it kind of guided the way in terms of how I wanted to connect with people. Because in the early stages of stages of the trip as well, it was important that I found places to shower every now and then, or even a couch to sleep on sometimes if I wasn't in the van. And, and it was social media was how I connected with people that ended up wanting to meet up for lunch or just, you know, just chat and get to know, know me and me know them. And so one of the easier ways to to make those connections was to just put my more authentic self out there. And I I think I wasn't really doing it consciously or thinking about it marketing wise initially, but now looking kind of back and also as I'm moving forward through things and, and being inspired by people like Casey and Tim that put some, some personal ish stuff out there. Um, I do believe that um, it does attract other people that are kind of like me in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. because that's how they connect with me. Like that's, you know, if I post something about dancing or, um, uh, relationship stuff, like in the book, which I don't really post to social media. So I guess that was just reserved for the book, but anything like that, I feel like it does, it opens up this, this other door for people to feel like, Oh, Kristen's a real person, which I am. I've never thought of myself on as anything else. And so, um, so yeah, I think I'm just kind of getting long-winded about this answer, but I do think it's it's helped me connect with people on a deeper level and also make them more comfortable with me, which is something that's great. And at the same token, I have gotten people that have left comments about like, 
oh, you're just an emotional woman or something like oh. under that crying video. And I'm thinking, well, obviously you're not the type of person that I would befriend <laughs> anyway, because clearly you have like a sexist thing going on. <laughs> but I mean, so yeah, but like, even if there are people that don't like it, don't like that approach, I, like I could care less because those aren't people that I want to support the brand anyway. Yeah. Speaking of that, um, as far as like, cause I, I remember you post on Facebook. I don't know if it was your first negative review but mm-hmm. maybe it was one of yeah. the more shitty reviews <laughs> or like <Yeah>. shitty, <laughs> shitty spirited reviews. Yeah. Um, what, what's that like? And, and are you noticing a change in how you are? Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I, I had shared that negative review. I know this wasn't your initial question, but I had shared it kind of for two reasons. One, I guess going with that authentic piece of just sharing with people, like I'm not only showing you the things that are happy and going on. I'm like, here's something that kind of sucks, you know, that happened that this person left this like not, not so glowing review, but also, I mean, it's kind of an ego thing, right? Like you post something cause you know that your supporters will get behind you and, and be like, right. no, no, you know, we think that you're great kind of thing. So it's kind of a, a double-edged sword in that side of that side of things. But I'll tell you that I don't, I'm very lucky in that I don't get a lot. I mean, my audience isn't huge. My reach isn't huge, huge, huge. So I don't get tons of hate stuff. But Mm -hmm. when I do, I've definitely gotten a little better at brushing it off. It depends on the content, though. If someone's kind of attacking my character or personality, it's much harder to brush it off than if they're just, like, upset that I posted a picture of a piece of cake and it wasn't vegan enough because it was sweet, you know, like yeah. something like that. I don't care about, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, I guess it never really gets super easy if someone's kind of attacking who you are as a person, but there is a point at which you kind of learn to, to like have your, your bout of like whining and be like, ah, and then you switch your complaint bracelet to the other wrist and then you move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Um, all right. So we should wrap this thing up, but, um, where can we find you? Like, as far as, are there any veg fests or anything coming up where you're speaking? Yes. Um, I have quite a few and also I'll be listing these on my website. If you go to wtfveganfood.com forward slash press forward slash speaking engagements, Mm -hmm. um, all of my event related stuff is listed there. But the next one I have coming up is a, a talk on July 10th at the vegetarian summer fest in Pennsylvania. Um, and then I have a bunch of other ones throughout the end of the year. Uh, vegetarian summer fest. Isn't that one of the, like, I feel like that's one of those things that people are constantly freaking out about. Like, Oh my God. Like, is it one of the bigger events? Yeah, I want to say it's one of the longest running veg fests in the country in North America, and um, and yeah, it's they get it's like a four or five day event, so they get people that come out for you know several days, and they have lot. It's more focused on the speakers than than uh, like uh, food vendors and things like that. But it's it's great. I've been one other time, and there's just a lot of really enthusiastic people that go. It's good. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Well, anyway, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, WTFveganfood.com for all the info. I'll put links also on MikeyPod.com. Uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Michael.
No mountain stood too hard Considered it done No shadow of doubt The winding of roads Would carry us home The dreamers who count The dreamers who don't The promise to us The world never made The dreamers delayed Dreamers are straight today. Truth. Come, hunters of imagined destinies, the phantoms of. Us. The wider we reached, the harder we grabbed, the more lapsed away. Come dreamers who come, come dreamers who don't. The world never spoke such promise to you. That's Thomas Finer with Troth. It's a single, not from an album. Normally I would say an album right now, but there isn't an album that that's from. You should check out his album from 2008, The Opiates. That was when I first discovered him because I'm a huge David Sylvian fan. And uh, that album was released on David Sylvian's album. I think uh, Thomas Finer is from Sweden. Um, I'm really a big fan. I like him a lot. Um, Not a lot of material. Um, So you know that each release counts. (laughs) 
I don't know what that means. Uh, thanks to Ka- uh, Kristen Lajeunesse for joining me today. Be sure to check out her book, We'll Travel for Vegan Food. And uh, tune in next week. I'm going to do some sort of special 10-year anniversary episode. I haven't exactly nailed down what that's going to be like, but um, you can plan on it being pretty amazing. Um, my name is Michael Heron. You can check out more about my solo work at michaelheron.com. Uh, I have a book and an album and I do performing and play the piano and all kinds of stuff. So if you want to check that stuff out, go to my website. Uh, More about this podcast, MikeyPod.com, particularly about things we talked about this episode. You'll find show notes. Um, Let me hear from you. MikeyPod at gmail.com is my email address. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening.